Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs. Or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. We welcome you inside the steam room as uh, season four continues. Yes. Ernie Johnson and Charles Barkley. Thanks for being with us today. Uh, we're going to be talking uh, World Series. Yes. Uh, Dexter Fowler will be joining us a bit later. Great player, great guy. Yeah, good dude. Um, but we're going to start with first of all, and it's not the traditional first of all, here's a list of things. Yeah. Chuckster, and I think when this news started hitting, we were like, this is, I knew this was going to be your yeah. your first, first of all, but this whole Kyrie Irving situation that we've seen in uh, in Brooklyn. Yeah. Uh, the Kanye West situation. Yeah. And, and, um, and it's, and obviously people know that my daughter's married, uh, to a Jewish guy. Yeah. So it's personal for me. And I just wanted to address it because it's like when something happened to a black person, I feel that anger and pain, but I wanted to talk to somebody, number one, Jewish, who's a lot smarter than, us on this subject. And I said, Ernie, we need a rabbi. And you says, I got a great one. I got you. I got your guy. Yeah. Because I was on his podcast, uh, Rabbi Erez Sherman from Sinai Temple in Los Angeles. Uh, the rabbi on the sidelines is his podcast. And we had a wonderful conversation, uh, really deep into a lot of things. And, and it was just awesome. And I, and so when you said, you know what, we need we need to talk to a rabbi about this. He was the perfect choice, so we we welcome him to the steam room. Uh, rabbi, thank you. Appreciate you uh, on short notice making time for us. Uh, we really do appreciate it. My question is: Have you read? Have you seen this movie? We're talking Hebrews to Negroes. Wake up, Black America is the documentary, and that's the link to that is what Kyrie. Uh, put on social media last week, um, and certainly um, anti-Semitic uh, in its content, and then Kyrie trying to defend that uh, and saying he's not. Uh, but uh, to Chuck's point, from a distance, as you watched this play out, Rabbi, first thing in, that hit you that hit you. First thing is to call out hate. Charles, as you said, your own daughter's married to somebody Jewish, and it hurts. It hurts not just in the mind, but it hurts in the heart and the soul. So to be able to call out hate is number one. We can all have conversations about race and religion, but in the sports world, there's out of bounds. And in the faith world, there is also out of bounds. And so that's number one. Number two, I have not watched that movie, but the anti-Semitic tropes that are in that book and that movie are long known in the Jewish world and the world of stereotypes. So when you say that it hurts in your own community, we know what stereotypes do. And the most important thing, Ernie, that I felt right away was that a tweet by a celebrity, by somebody who knows how to put a basketball through the net, which believe me, I love more than anything, as we talked on my show a couple of months ago, that ends up right here in my community. And I wanna tell you something that happened just last week that we had kids in our school, in a Jewish school, going to their athletic event and their coach who was not Jewish, they were talking about actually not the Kyrie thing, but the Kanye thing. Yeah. And the coach told them, you know what? I agree with that. Number one, that coach is no longer employed by that athletic team, but those children were educated, thank God. And since they were educated, they could stand up for themselves. But if they were not educated with so many other millions of children in this country and world, then those kids might have gone right along with that coach and there would have been more tweets and more Instagrams as well. So what starts on a basketball court ends up in our communities, ends up with the future of this country. And that's where the conversation needs to begin. When you see white supremacists 
in L.A. holding up signs on the freeway saying Kanye is right. And then somebody imposing on the Georgia-Florida football game, again, Kanye is right. What, what, what do we need to do? I mean, because you, 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 first of all, you get mad. First of all, if, 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 if somebody who's a white supremacist agree with you, you, you're like, I must be a, the biggest idiot in the world. There might be a lot of idiots in the world then, right? But that sign on the 405 was just miles away from our synagogue. And just a couple of months ago, in our driveway, when I woke up, walking my kids to school, they're 10, 8, and 6 years old, there were pamphlets by the same people who hung those signs on the freeway that said those same anti-Semitic tropes. And when my children asked me what was that, I didn't have an answer for them. And so what has to be done is conversation. It's meeting the other. Ernie, what I love about you is that you often wear a shirt that says, be a better human. Yeah. Yeah. Which Eisen said just the other day, don't dehumanize me as a Jew. What I want to say to Rich Eisen and to all of us is let's humanize us as people. In the book of Genesis, it says in Hebrew, but Selim Elohim, we are made in the image of God. It is time for each one of us to see that image, who we are in our hearts and souls. That has to start now. It has to start young. And the reason that I love this show is because it has to start in the sports world. Sports and faith intersect in a very deep way. The only reason I know Ernie is because I had a love of sports, but I realized he had a love of faith. And that has brought so many people together. And I know it has the power to continue to do that as well. You see anti-Semitism is on the rise. Mm -hmm. You see Asian hate is on the rise. And clearly we got some things going on in the black community, especially with policing. You know, you just get so mad and frustrated. I do. I can't speak for anybody else. But, you know, like, I don't want my grandson, to, which is the greatest thing ever happened to me, I don't want him growing up and people treating him a type of way. And that's what bothers me about this whole thing. Guys who are in a position of power, repeating and tweeting, and we as we give these fools a platform. That's what probably pisses me off the most. Somebody once told me that when you tweet for nobody, you tweet for everybody. And I think that's so true. I have a pulpit, but Kyrie Irving has a bigger pulpit than me. And Kanye West, I just looked this morning, has 31.7 million followers on Twitter. That's double the amount of Jews in the entire world. And so who is he tweeting for? Is it for nobody or is it for everybody? And so I think and I truly believe and am passionate about this opportunity. One of the best things that I have done as a rabbi is not within my walls of this synagogue, but it has been connecting with one of my best friends who's a pastor at a mostly African-American church in Inglewood. And how do we come together? On the basketball court. We did a community camp for the LA Rams. Everything is sports oriented because at the end of the day, when riots happen, when police acts happen, I call him that as a fellow pastor, but I call him as a friend. And now he has called me. And so we have built a relationship that we might have differences in so many different ways. We serve so many different communities, but we are in the image of God. And we know that that is the end of the day. If you were face to face with Kyrie Irving, what would you say? I would say, come into my synagogue, meet my children, learn about us as a community. We have three gyms in this beautiful facility here. Play basketball with us teach our children what it means to be a human being in this great country of America. And then I think good things can happen. I remember last year I said something about on the podcast. I said, I did not like what Ice Cube said. I did, did mm -hmm. not, did not like what Nick Cannon said. And I told him, I said, yo man, we as black people, we know racism. We want people to have empathy and they're not going to have empathy for us if we're in certain other religious groups. And that's the thing that bothers me. I know it's tough being black. I know it's tough being Jew. It's tough being any minority. But if minorities don't work together and just pick on each other, call each other's names, make these stupid stereotypes, we're never going to heal. I mean, this stuff been going on for hundreds and hundreds of years but when you throw gasoline, which is what you do when you say stuff like Kanye and Kyrie, when you throw gasoline on the fire, it, it, it just, it's crazy. 
So there's something called the dignity of difference. There's a rabbi in England of blessed memory, Jonathan Sachs. He was the chief rabbi of the United Kingdom. And he said that we need to appreciate the dignity of difference. That we, and he said this years ago, are at a clash of cultural civilizations, but faith can either be part of the problem or it can be part of the solution. And you're right. This is fire and fuel and gas to the fire, but we also have a chance. You know, fire works two ways. Fire can destroy, but fire can bring a lot of warmth to the community. And I believe that we have an opportunity in Charles. I'm, I'm an optimist, hopefully, as, as you see. Believe me, I'm a realist as well. I know that there are deep, deep problems right now. Rabbi, where has civility gone and how do we get it back? Honestly, I think these last two years, civility has been lost because of the lack of relationships. I'm talking to both of you over a screen. I hear you. I see you. But I need to shake your hand. Mm. I need to see you face to face. I need to understand and see your emotions. And so I hope that as we get this world back together, civility can come back in the human relationships that we all need to. Because when human relationships are created, that's when God is also brought into the equation. You know, our political system is, to, to understate it a little bit, is broken. How much do you think the politicians, like, we're more divided than ever. Mm-hmm. And how much do you think our politicians deserve blame for this, the, the zero civility, the division that's going on in this country right now? So I'm not here to put any blame on anybody. I'm actually here to do the healing work that needs to be done. No matter what era we lived in, of course, there's always politics, red and blue. But we need to remove the red and the blue, and we need to gain, like I said, the human touch. This afternoon, we are gathering leaders of different faiths in our synagogue to talk about this issue exactly. It was the quickest gathering I've ever seen people say yes to because they are in deep desire to do this. They are in deep despair because they don't want this anymore. I believe that the faith world can actually help the politicians in guiding them and what it means to work together. Again, there are going to be political differences. I'm not going to solve that. But as the rabbis who work here at Sinai Temple say, we're not here to talk about Pence and Pelosi. We're here to talk about Moses and Joshua. Then I think we can help them um, think a little more about those aspects of our soul as well. Are you mad? And I don't want to put any words in you. Are the are you angry? Are you you because look, I you and I aside from the podcast, we've stayed in touch. You know, and 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 I um. I know how even keeled you are. I know, I feel like I know your heart. Um, I don't feel like anger is really, I mean, I feel like anger really has to fight to, to work its way into where, to where you are, Rabbi. Are you angry? I think there's not a moment of anger, but there's a moment of fear. The fact that in my own synagogue, armed guards are standing by to make sure my children are safe and hundreds of others. The fact that you can't, get into our building unless you have an appointment. That's not a world of faith. We need to do better. And when I spoke to those children that were on that bus with their coach and I asked them how they felt, they felt scared. And so before we feel mad, we are feeling fear. We're feeling scared. And that's where dignity of differences come in. We can do this together, Jews and blacks and Asians, whoever you are, we can do this together. So stop with the tweets. Call somebody that's different than you today. Make a difference and say, I'm here. I wanted somebody of your magnitude and just honesty and just, because I tell people this. I called a friend of mine last year, Noda Begay, who's just a great dude. I says, here, man, explain the Indian thing to me. Because, you know, I hear all the debates about, is it a slur and blah, blah, blah. And I said, uh, I said, Noda, Tell me the Indian thing. And he said, I really appreciate you asking me that. I said, because I don't want a black person. I don't want a Hispanic person. I wanted to know how a Jewish person felt about this situation because it ain't up to anybody else to tell somebody what's not racist, what's not offensive. You need to put, like, as a black person, I know what offends me. I don't need somebody to say, well, Every time I, because one thing that used to always annoy me when I'm driving, obviously I'm from Alabama, every time I saw that Confederate flag, I was pissed. Absolutely. And I was like, Chuck, 
calm down, relax. And then you hear some part of get on TV say, well, it's part of my heritage. And I say, mm. yeah, but you know, if if I did, if I had something that I know offended another ethnic group, I would say, you know what? I don't want, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take that down. That's, and that is where, you know, we, we throw the word empathy around a lot, but that's, that's one of those instances where it is front and center. If you have that, yeah. and if you realize that what you're displaying is offensive to somebody, yeah. and you know that, and and yet it still is there, and that can be, a, you know, I see a when when the family drives down to Florida, there are a couple of places down in South Georgia where that stars and bars is yeah. waving yeah. in the breeze, and it's like, do you know? who you're hurting with that. Do you care who you're hurting yeah. with that? And I think that's that's part of it too, Rabbi. Is it, yeah, you, you may realize it does, but do you care? Yeah, and I think when you realize who you're hurting, it goes back to those relationships. And in our tradition, at least, we have this idea in Hebrew, it's called teshuva. It means repentance, but it really means return to your soul. And that we have the belief that every human being has the ability to change. And even if you've done the worst things in your life, you still have the ability to change. And so when you see not just who you're hurting, but what you're saying, we all have as individuals, as communities, as religions, as societies, we all have things in our past that need to change. And so why not change now? Well, thank you. This has uh, been great for me. Good for the soul, as I like to say. And it, and um, man, I, I know you're an optimist um, and and I hope at the same time that you're hopeful that that we that we can make a change here, um, and that and that we can kind of get out of this this spiral that we're in. It it saps you, Rabbi. It does. Mm-hmm. It's like every when you wake up and you see another incidence, and it's like, geez, can we get out of this? And and is it and maybe it's up to each of us individually to do that. Is to say. No more. Look yeah. in the mirror. What can I change? And how can I make this? And enough of this. Yeah. More of this. And uh, and it's a tall order. It's a tall order, but it's worth yeah, it. Your perspective has been has been awesome, Eras. It really has. And um, look, I value every moment that I that you and I interact. Whether it's a text, whether it's an email, whether it's something like this, whether it's the the podcast, whether it's a phone call. Um, and Chuck Chuck was right. We needed this on the steam room today, and you were just the person to have. Thank you. Thank you, and God bless both of you, because the work that you do is all this, and we need more of what you're doing as well. Thank you so much. God bless you. Thank I, you. I feel so much better now. Do you? I do, because I was having a rough week with all this stuff, and then you saw what happened at the Michigan-Michigan State yeah, game. Yeah, yeah. I was like, yo, man, can I please, y'all, can we be civil to each other? Yeah. Rabbi Erez Sherman, Sinai Temple, Los Angeles. Awesome job. That was awesome. Back here on the steam room. Oh, yeah. Game three of the World Series will be played as we speak tonight in Philadelphia after the rain out on on Monday. Man, it's going to be so raucous there. It is. Undefeated. Yep. At the bank in the Ernie, postseason. I, it's been crazy watching how crazy that crowd's been. Yeah. I, and I can't wait for tonight. You're not going to shoot one of those buttons off of that jersey uh, over here and hit me right in the eye, are you? Shout out Glad to, I wore the glasses. Shout out to my girl, Bunny, who works for the Phillies. Yeah. Uh, I asked for a triple X. She said they didn't make triple X. So mm-hmm. I got These to are baseball players, man. Uh, trust me. There's some fat baseball players. <laughs> Catchers and relief pitchers. So, so you. What about uh, Bartolo Colon? Yeah, this is true. Kyle Schwarber probably wears what a double X then. Uh, he got to be because that said, Reese Hoskins that you're wearing right now. You know, listen, buttons I, don't exactly look I, like that on Reese Hoskins. Just got to hold, suck it in, Chuck. <laughs> just suck it in, Chuck. You just got to get through the day. We only have one uh, rule for our guests on the steam room, and that is keep your towel on. And so that message goes out to Dexter Fowler, who joins us. Uh, Dex, uh, Dex was on several of our uh, our shows during baseball season. I was texting you. I was watching. I know you were watching. Dex, tell me the <laughs> truth. How 
Are you shocked? You know, we started with the St. Louis Cardinals. Then we go against the Braves. How improbable is this run by my Phillies? You know what? It, it's surprising. It is surprising. I will tell you that. But, you know, the hot team, you know how it goes, the hot team. In the playoffs, it, it, it's a dangerous team. But I told I told everybody before, and I'm sorry to break it to you, Houston's going to win, man. You know, I am torn. I'm not going to lie. I'm torn. I'm pulling for the Phillies, obviously. But if Dusty Baker, who's one of the great guys in baseball, his great guys, if he could get over the hump as a manager, I would be at peace with that. Absolutely. And I, lo- I, I love that story. You know, you, it, obviously, uh, Dusty coached against, managed against me, and I, I, I've always loved Dusty. And, and to see him, you know, he's the only manager with 2,000 wins that, that hadn't won a World Series. So, yeah, I, he gets over that hump. It, it, I'll be happy, really happy for him. So uh, it is 2-3-2, two, two, right? Yeah. Okay. It is two three two. Yeah. And the and the rain up maybe maybe helps with uh, when you're talking about Nola and Wheeler and, and availability and that kind of thing too as the series goes on. Um but man, that game one, Dex. Look, Houston comes oh out and gosh. smacks him right in the mouth and is like, um, <laughs> this is not gonna if you're thinking that it's gonna be the St. Louis series and the Atlanta series over again, here we are. And man, what a I mean, that comeback was impressive by Philly in game one. Oh, it was crazy. I was watching the game. I was like, there they go. You know, Houston. And they come. They came right back, too. You know, usually it takes a few innings, but they came, kicked them right back in the mouth. It was awesome. It was like a heavyweight fight. But the good thing about all that is, is you got both teams are are, are showing, are, are, flexing on, are flexing on each other. So the next game, especially at home, I mean, the Houston, they did that at home, jumped out. It's hard to do that on the road, but I love that about baseball because you got seven games and seven games. It'll prove to see who is the best team. From your experience and all those years playing in the big leagues and playing in the series, and tell the tell the average baseball fan out there what this stage is like. It's another season, you know. You go in and it's like, okay, we made it to the World Series, and then you get in there and it's like every game feels like it's fifteen hours. It's it's taxing. So like even to have an extra day off, that's gonna help everybody's mental. Going back a week ago, Jose Altuve, who's one of the best baseball players in the world, is 0 for 25. <laughs> how how's that happen? How does that happen? <laughs> I'm gonna tell you this. I've been there. Hey, but you know what? You're only as good as your last at bat. And this is coming. Just to think about it, like Altuve has done nothing, and they've still been winning. And that's one of their best players, if not one of the, the best player on the field. And he has been doing nothing. If, it, if he starts hitting a little bit, this team could just go, Psh. and you got Kyle Tucker starting to – it's like Trey Mancini hadn't done anything. You know, they, if that guy jumps back in the lineup and starts hitting and does what he normally does, I mean, this team is – it's a complete team. And But the Phillies, you get hats off to the Phillies because they – like I said, they, they've had a – uh, it's fun to watch. It's fun to watch the Phillies and the fighting Phillies. They they never give up. They play 27 outs, and it's good to see. Because you never know from one game to the next, too. It's like, okay, Bryce Harper. Okay, uh, JT Remuto. Yeah. Uh, Reese Hoskins. Gene Segura in the postseason for the first time after three billion games in the big leagues and not, <laughs> and not, and not getting there. But they do, man, up and down that lineup. They have guys who can get it done, and they've been getting it done in key spots. Well, Bryce Harper has been – Schwarber and Harper have been guys who had the biggest hits this en- entire playoff run. I mean, when he hit that two-run homer in the last series against the Padres, and he was, like, built for that moment. You're like, oh, he's got he's got that gene where he's like, oh, I want to be there. Real Muto in game yeah. one. Yes. I mean, had the big ribbies early and then the – and then. The, as as Pedro likes to call it, the Ding Dong Johnson, there in the uh, in the tenth inning. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of dudes in that clubhouse that they can get it done, and and like I said, it, it's like or like Chuck said, it, it's somebody different all the time. You never know, and you never know. Pitchers might step up. Their bullpen's been great. It it's two great teams, and I think it'll be a great World Series. You know, you look about. I'm trying to think. It's probably been three months ago. 
The team is in disarray in Philly. We fire our manager. 22 and 29. And we're like, I mean, cause I actually was, I got to Philly, I think, right around the same day he got fired. And I was like, oh, man, the Phillies, it's going to be a long year. <laughs> what do you think the biggest difference, other than Bryce Harper getting healthy, what do you think? When people talk about managerial styles, and I always tell people I hate that because it's just total BS. They're like, well, he's a player coach until they start losing. They say he's too easy on the players. When they're too hard on players, they say, well, he's a disciplinarian. But when they start losing, they're like, he don't have enough discipline. So what? what's it like? What's the best manager to play for, in your opinion? It's kind of a double-edged sword, like you said. I, I, I think, me personally, is a player's coach, right? That's going to let the guys strive. That's going to let the guys go out and, and be themselves, right? Uh, but at the same time, uh, protect the guys on the other side, right? Because the media is going, you know, they're going to – and, you know, the best managers that I've had, they've always – they jumped in front of that media and protected their guys, you know, and, and really believed in their guys. And that's all, that's all we ask for as professionals. I mean, I'm sure it's the same way in basketball, but um, you know, with the Phillies, I, I think uh, a change in scenery, I think that, that it kind of like jolted them. Right. It's like a, like adrenaline. Right. I, I've, I've been part of three managerial changes in the middle of the season. And, you know, it's kind of, shock the system like oh my gosh like who's next we got to get it going and i think that's what the phillies did so hats off to them yeah hats off to rob thompson i mean that's he's done a fabulous yeah. job and man uh dave dombrowski uh has he's, did it he's again. got a magic touch he got he does have a magic touch best player you play with uh best player i play with i mean you got to go shohei or trouty <laughs> right they're the best in the they're game okay <laughs> no, I mean those are those are pretty big names. I, I I would like to see them in the playoff. You know, I I feel for them. You know, so would a lot of folks out there in Anaheim. Yeah, right, right. You have generational talents like that, and and not be in the playoffs is a shame. You know, it is frustrating. I know Mike Trout a little bit. I got a chance to meet Shohei a couple years ago when I spoke to those guys at training camp. It's it's such a team game, but. It's frustrating when you got the best players in the world, not even even close. Like this was Bryce Harper. I didn't realize this until this year he hadn't won a playoff series. Because <laughs> they they interviewed him. He says he says it's great. You he says man, it's great to find a win a playoff series. How frustrating is it to be a great player and not even be relevant? Well, you know what? It, it was funny because I I talked to Barry about this because Barry's my mentor. I worked out with Barry. Barry being Barry Bonds. And Barry was like, man, you won a World Series. That's the only thing that I wanted to do. I always wanted to win. And you and you got a chance to do that. He said, I've won all the awards, but I wanted to win a World Series. That's the one thing I wanted to do. And he goes, but like you said, it's a team game. He goes, I couldn't do it myself, although I tried. And he had one of the best series ever. Yeah. You know, in play in playoff history, and he did. I mean, that's all you want. You know, with Bryce and with with all these guys like that. That's. That's the the mecca. Like you want to you want to win a championship. What's the feeling in that moment when you've won it all? You know what? It's your emotions take. I started crying. I'm not even a crier, but I started crying because that you know that's like it's it's surreal. It's like did this is this did this really just happen? Did we really just win it all? Yeah. You know, because you dream about stuff like that, and, and, and you know to 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 finally do it, it's just like you take a deep breath and. I still, I still, I'm getting goosebumps right now even talking about it. What are those moments like after you've jumped around on the field, after the trophy presentation, after whatever has gone on in the clubhouse with champagne and whatever else, are there those <laughs> moments though when, when you seek out somebody and you have maybe just a couple of minutes right there where you talk kind of seriously or, and about, man, what did we just do? Yeah, you, you you get the band back together. You get your boys back together. The dudes who you, you were in the trenches with, you sit there and you just, you know, hang out, you know, and, and talk about, like, remember back in June when we were here? <laughs> I mean, like the Phillies. Like, they can look back and say, remember we were back and, and our manager got fired and we were down here and, you know, we had that talk in the clubhouse. There's mm -hmm. always that, that moment where you know and it changes – 
the whole uh, trajectory of, of your season. You know, I was watching Dusty the other day. This is the first time since, I want to say, the 30s, there are no black American-born players in the World Series. What can we do to get more minorities involved in baseball? Man, that's a, a – I don't think we can do one thing. I think it's uh, the culture just ha- – I mean, like, I think the game is just it's, – it's been too slow. It, they haven't seen enough of us out there. Of, of African-Americans out there to uh, look up to and say, I mean, there's obviously we're out here, but like on the biggest stage, there's nobody. There's no, there's, there's no African-Americans. And I think we just need to get in the inner cities and, and have more African-Americans um, be a part of the media, right? The Mookie post the Mookies more post the, you know, the Aaron judges more, the, you know, the, the McCutcheons, the everybody, everybody, you know, post them just so they can see that there are people that look like them up playing baseball. Yeah, uh, Dex, I mean, I'm sure when you were growing up, there were guys that you looked at and said, that's what I that's what I want to do. That's where I want to be. And so when you think about that right Absolutely. now and you think about this at this point with the spotlight shining on the World Series, black kids sitting at home is like, I don't have nobody to watch. Like, why? Like, yeah, I don't. And yeah. who am I rooting for? You know, what's who's who's the guy who's going to kind of make make me say that's what I want to be? And and um, and at the same time, it's also the the game itself, as you referenced. It's like when you compare, do I want to play this or do I want to play this? That might, you know, and I'm going to sit down and watch a game, and oh, here we go into four hours, and I could have watched two NBA games in that time. <laughs> exactly, and and the like the culture, like I I talk about it all the time, like the shoes, like the, like everything about the game. Like, it's just so blah. It needs, I think you like, you know, you got the NBA, you got the NFL, like the uniforms, like all that. I think that that, that plays a big part too in, in the youth in general. And I think that's how we're, we're losing the youth. The thing I hate the most about baseball right now is the shift. What the hell? Just that, bear with it for a few, a couple know, more weeks. I know. That's I like, all you got to do. I just—it drives me crazy. Huh? It drives me crazy watching a baseball game and the guy hits into the shift. I like that's like cheating. And I'm glad they're gonna ban it next year. Uh, or guys should just learn how to bunt just to piss them off. I mean, that to me would be the best or way. Hit to the get other them. way, yeah. I mean, that's and we've heard that. I mean, it's like. Should you change the rules or should you change your approach at the plate? So you're going to do that to me? Then, I mean, there were some who were in that camp who said, yeah. hey, you just adjusted what we're doing out here. But I, I do think I do think eliminating the shift will get back to, here's the way you play shortstop by Ozzie Smith. Yeah. You know, here's, you know, I think it's, I think it's going to pave the way to seeing some great performances by infielders, uh, across the board because you got to play your position now. You know what? But I'm going to tell you this. I'm going to tell you this. But, like, okay, power is on the pool side, correct? Yeah. Like, most people, they have power on the pool side. You're getting, you're not getting paid for hits anymore. You're getting paid for power. So guys are trying to put yeah. balls in the stands. Yeah. They're trying to hit. They're trying to, they're trying to slug. So they're moving everybody over there. I mean, guys get – you look at guys that are getting 200 hits and – it, it, it doesn't matter because they're not going to get paid unless they're slugging. I mean, that's how they're paying guys slugging, you know, OPS and that's it. And exit velocity and all this other stuff. I think that ruined the game more than the shift, honestly. So if you're a general manager and you got some good money, who are your top five free agents this summer? I mean, judges got to be number one, yeah, right? Yeah, I would say the guy wearing 99 is probably <laughs> on that list. Uh, yeah, yeah he, I mean, that guy's got to be number one. Um, two, I would probably go, I mean, depending on your need, I would go with Correa yep. or um, – Yeah, but I think those two. You got a lot of guys. Trey Turner's like, yeah. out, Trey Turner's yeah. out yeah. there. Trey yeah. Turner? Yeah. Yeah, that, yeah. it depends on, on, on what kind of game do you need, right? So you got – Obviously, Trey Turner and Correa, but there's two di- those are two different games, right? You got a st- really speed guy. You got a, you know, a savant in the infield. Like it, it's, I don't, I don't know where you go. It, there, there's a lot of tough decisions, but I know, I know one thing. 
they're gonna have to back the Brinks truck up for a lot of them. <laughs> yeah, I told somebody I was doing. A, I, I was actually do, working with Buster Olney on his podcast, and I said, "Hey, the two best jobs in America right now are Aaron Judge agent and Lamar Jackson's uh, non agent." Cause they gonna have to, them boys gonna get so much money. It's gonna be crazy. They got to get them like Manhattan, the Bronx, Left Rack City. They, they, <laughs> you think you think Judge stays with the Yanks? I would like to see that. I would like to see that and him and him throw that C on his chest. They have to. They have that dude is. I mean, you sign. You're gonna have to sign him for a long time and a lot of money. And the dude has earned that. He has. He bet on himself. Without question. It's hard to say no to $200, $300 million he did. It's like, no, I'll take, I'll wait, get $400 million. Yeah, exactly. And then delivered. And I'll tell you who's watching this very, very closely. Shohei Otani. He's watching what Judge, where Judge goes, how he, he's going to be watching that very closely. I mean, you know, that's the, the big question was going to be like, do you go with loyalty or you go try to win. Like, that's probably going to be his biggest decision because it's going to be a bunch of teams, or well, not a bunch, going to be a few teams want to sign him. Are you loyal to your team or you go where you can win? Because they're not close to winning. Um, I think he goes to win. I, I, I think the best of both worlds, man. Now, obviously, you want – and he can do that. He can go to one of a really good team or a team that's in the position to win. And he's going to get a lot of money to do that. So I, I, I don't think – I mean, that's going to be the I, maybe the most sought-out free agent ever, ever. in the history of yeah, baseball. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Well, Dex, you say, uh, you say the Astros are going to win. I'm with you on that, too. I mean, I, before the series well, well, even two, started. You know, two, well, two wrongs no, don't make it right. I, no, I'm just, I'm just saying. They've been, the, <laughs> they've, been the most, I think they've been the most complete team. And, and it would be a stunner if the Phillies won the World Series. I think you have to admit that. I, I was I, – I, I, you know, just joking around with the baseball guys in the studio. They asked me one day. I said, I think the Braves going to win it. I didn't even think we would beat St. Louis. To be honest with you, yeah, I'd have to go there in a. In a I said series, we got to, yeah. yeah, and then we yeah. beat the we beat St. Louis. Then we, I'm like, well, we can't beat the Braves. Then we shocked the world beating the Braves, yeah. and then I'm like, man, this is a pick'em series against the Padres, and they beat the Padres, <laughs> yeah. and now that was crazy. This wasn't it crazy. I didn't think they were gonna beat the Padres either. Did it really? I thought it was easy. I didn't think they were gonna beat the Padres. I thought it was easier to beat the Padres than the Braves. I, I, the Padres, I felt like were hot right then. I was like, oh, the Padres, they beat the Dodgers. I'm like, oh, yeah, the Padres, they're, they're feeling real good right now. Oh, so question right there. So I'm glad you bought a Padres. Uh, no, no, uh, uh, the Braves, Dodgers. Is the playoff format fair? I like this format, actually. But I want to see the top eight teams, no matter the, the, no matter the division. Like, it doesn't matter. The NBA does what? They do. Top, how many teams? You got, you got. Eight, we do eight, eight, each conference. Eight, eight each conference. Yeah, yeah. I'd like to see that. The thing was, I saw the guys on TV talking about it. They said it's, it, it really is not fair to those teams that dominated for 162 to be playing in five game series. That's the question I'm really asking. I agree with that. I agree with that. Like I said, I think it should be the one place eight, and you keep going like this until the the best man wins, and then you go at it like that. And uh, and that would also eliminate the. Uh, Five days without playing while other teams, yeah. you know, I mean, because I, I don't think you can overstate that. I, I really don't. I mean, when you have, when you have teams playing a wild card series and somebody gets hot and somebody feels great and all of a sudden it's like the Phillies are like, well, we just beat the Cardinals and we're right. rolling right now yeah. and now, uh, now let's break this right. team out of mothballs. Now you play this team. I, 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 I have an, I have an issue with that that much distance, that much time in yeah. between the end of the season. And, and yeah, that's your reward. You have a buy, but you also, it, it's either you have to do something about that or teams themselves have to say, have to learn from this past year and say, this is going to be our approach in those five days. Yeah. We're going to do this right. to try to stay a little more game sharp, whatever that might Absolutely. be in terms of your AAA guys or whoever you've you got and say, hey, we're playing games. Yeah, you know, I, we want to face decent pitching. We, you know, we don't want to just be right. facing a machine here for five days and then jump into the box against Zach Wheeler, or Aaron Nola. Yeah. You know, right. right. Well, then you look at it and every game counts, right? Like 
no matter who you're playing in their division, like, you know, if you win your division, you're just like, hey, whatever. You win it early, like the Dodgers won it super early. And, oh, they're they're playing guys that just like, hey, let's put other guys in here. But you still want to be the number one seed, so you play the 18. Yeah. Like, I yeah. love that. Like, you just let's play – you got to play 162. Okay, so so take me through the rest of this series as we let you go. The Astros are going to win, you said. Is it going back to Houston? Are you, are you telling me the Astros are going to go to Philly and, and take three? I Honestly, I got um, – I got the Astros winning two of these three. I don't know which one it is. It's tough when you go. Honestly, when we played in the World Series, I remember we've lost the first two games. It's tough playing at home in the World Series. You know why? Because everything is different. Your right to the field is different. Maybe the president's coming, this and that. And it's like, oh, I got to leave. I, it throws you off your routine. If you're, at the, if you're at the hotel, you're just going straight to the ballpark and playing. You don't have to worry about the route to the field. You don't have to worry about, I got to be here an hour earlier. Now I'm sitting around. It was tough. It was tough to get adjusted to just because everything was different. And I think uh, I think Philly will win one of the three games. And then I'll go back to Houston, and Houston will, will, will win. Well, hopefully you're wrong. Um. <laughs> <laughs> the last time we were the, – the, no, the Phillies, what, was that 2009, my rookie year? Remember you came in the clubhouse? Y'all came to the clubhouse? I was playing with the Rockies. I got actually, I got booed in Philadelphia, as a matter of fact. Welcome to the club. I, and you know, it was, <laughs> I, you know I'm out and there. We, we've all been there. Dexter, <laughs> Dexter, I'm out there for the presentation of the National League Championship trophy. You know, here the Phil, everybody's celebrating. Everything's great. And, and so I get the mic. We come out of commercial break. Hey, congratulations, Philadelphia. This is Ernie Johnson with TVS. It's my honor to boo. I mean, I looked down at Ryan Howard. He's like, all right. Hey, you know, welcome. That's Philly, brother. Man, it, was un- it was unbelievable. That's right. That's right. Unbelievable. Hey, it's great talking to you. Great catching up as always. Uh, enjoyed having you at the TBS studio this year too, man. That was a lot of fun. Oh, let me tell you something. Number one, keep up the great work on television. But just before you leave, I wanted to tell you something. Four... Because I know you're going to hit the ball. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we're not going to hear none of that. Though. We're going to be right, striping it right down the middle. It'll be perfect. It'll be perfect. Well, thanks for having me on, guys. Appreciate you, Dex. Thanks, <laughs> what man. What a good dude. Yes, no doubt. Yeah, what a good dude. Chuck and Ernie in the steam room. Come and join us in the steam room. Chuck and Ernie in the steam room. Leave your towel on in the steam room. So, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know the phone number for your uh, for your answering machine. Do you know the phone number for your four zero four nine eight seven one zero zero three three zero? I don't want it. I don't want somebody to write down the wrong number and then be surprising someone on the other yeah. end. Um, always love finishing the show this way it's always entertaining oh. always unexpected we did we don't know where the calls are coming from where in the world I they love might the be. fact that y'all made me change the, the answer machine to, to include the world yes I think that's a, that yeah, was a that great was call cool. by cap yeah our our legendary steam room producer yes he is okay. all right call number one hello world this is Charles Barkley leave me a message. Hi, Charles. This is Nancy calling from Milwaukee, a longtime Buck season ticket holder. I just have to ask, are those your real teeth? Some of them are. Uh, <laughs> some of them real. are. Let's see. Let's see. Okay, which <laughs> ones are? Uh, I think Bill and Bill got one here. Uh-huh. And uh, I think knocked got, it Knocked it clean out? Knocked it backwards. Yeah. Man, did that... Yeah. That hurts, man. It didn't hurt as bad as I thought it. It just got discolored. So, yeah, most of my teeth are my own, but they either, uh, I paid for them, so they're mine anyway. Mm-hmm. And shout out to Milwaukee. Shout out North 68th Street. And uh, my hometown. And the favorite to win the NBA championship. I would think. And Giannis is runaway MVP. We're six games into the season. I, 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 if you let me We're finish. We're six games into the season. I, I, other How show, many games into the season are we? It's like six. <laughs> He's a front runner for MVP right now. Yeah. Is it too early to be talking like that? Hey, let me tell you something. 
there's some coaches out there. They're dead men walking. Wow. You know how many games into the season we are? Six, hey, seven, eight. Yeah. I'm, but, remember what I said? Mm, Christmas? Mm. Some of these dudes ain't going to make it to Thanksgiving. Oh, I don't know about I, that. Okay. All right. It's November 1st. Yes. Right now. Um, and you're thinking some of these guys. So you're saying more than one NBA coach will be gone before Thanksgiving. Yes. You're cuckoo. Yes. You're cuckoo. I'm telling you, there's going to be two NBA coaches fired by, before, before Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. Put that on the board. I want a piece of that. Maybe um, you can get your money back for uh, <laughs> Georgia beating Auburn. I paid you. I know. I said okay. maybe you can get your money back. Oh, that was a good <laughs> bet. Yeah. <laughs> uh, next call. Hi, Chuck. Uh, when I was four, my dad took me to a celebrity golf tournament, and you pulled up in a golf cart, really excited to meet you, but when you got out of the cart, you stood above me and said, I'm going to eat you. I about pooped my pants, and it's one of my favorite stories to still tell today. He didn't tell us where he's from. And that's what stuck out about that call. Oh, you know me having fun with the kids. I he didn't tell me where he's from. I wouldn't. It couldn't. It probably don't sound like Lake Tahoe, because we have to walk there. So he was four, and he remembers you. Yeah, saying, but he didn't tell us how old he was. Well, so, he's certainly more than four now. I know. Yeah, but he should have told me what city it was in. Do you so, remember telling a kid you're going to eat? Man, him? I say crazy stuff to kids all the time. That's the best thing about my life: meeting kids. Yeah. You know, it's so funny. We meet so many great people in our life, fans. And that's one of the blessings of our jobs. I mean, I've met some incredible people who who become friends and things like that. And this guy, and we don't know how old he is now or how, how, how many years ago this was, but when he was four years old and you said that, and he'll never forget it. And he, yeah, That's awesome. But he yeah. should have told us where he's from. All right. Call us back. And uh, Cap will make sure that we put you on. Yeah. Um, he's going to call back and say, Chuck, it was in so-and-so. Boom. Yeah, and he's yeah, going to hang yeah, up. Yeah. All right. Uh, next call. G'day, fellas. It's Stav here. Original oil steamer. Yeah. Man, I'm excited. When the NBA is back, it means the steam room is back. During the break, I went with my family for a holiday in Cyprus and visited with my uncles and aunties. And it all culminated in a cousin's wedding in Lefkada, a tiny mountain village, which was incredible. It was a reminder to me of two fairly obvious truths, um, but something we can lose sight of. All right, one, family is the most important thing. I'd almost go as far to say that it's the only thing that matters. And two, traveling is so much fun. Now, Chuck, much has been made of your new contract, and um, congratulations, by the way. But does this 10-year deal mean that Charles Barkley's big retirement world tour is over? Say it ain't so, man. Surely you can fit a few overseas trips along the way, mate. And if you do, Cyprus is highly recommended. Have a great season, guys. Stav. Oh, man, Stav. <laughs> First of all, <laughs> I'm dying of thirst waiting on the beer he promised us 10 years ago about. How many years have we been? How many years have we done a steam run? Four. This is our fourth year. And he said he was going to get us a beer. I think that beer. was the first year that the, the, he, the beer promised And he promise said he, the beer. So don't worry about it. My throat is dry. You know, man, I'm so glad he still listened to the steam run because he was our first call basically, right? I believe so. Yeah. And certainly our first international call. Yeah, and uh, and we got one from my man who was in Gladiator. Remember him? Yeah. I mean, it's been a, we got my man from India last week. Yeah. I mean, from we, all over the globe. It's unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, remember the, the, the soldier who said we helped him with PTSD? Yeah. yeah. I think he was from Minnesota somewhere. Uh, have you been to Greece? I have not. Really? It's uh, uh, a good trip. Barcelona, Australia, Australia, uh, Sydney. They tell me I got to go to Perth and Melbourne, though. Mm -hmm. I've been to Sydney like three times. They said, no, you got to go to Perth and Melbourne. I love Munich, Germany. It's one of my favorite places in the world. Munich. You went there for Oktoberfest, didn't you? Yeah. And uh, no, actually, you know, uh, <laughs> I told America that story, how stupid I am. I've been trying to go to Oktoberfest for the last five years, guys, and every time me and my the girl who runs my life are trying to find it, we didn't realize it was in September. So, first of all, the German people got to fix that. They that can, would be that would be a that's that's it, are they wrong? Or am I wrong? I, I don't I don't I don't know where the confusion would would stem from, or why would it why would it be called 
Oktoberfest if it's if in it's September. September. Yeah. I got to call Dirk Nowitzki. I mean, he's big enough over there. Because uh-huh. uh, I think they got a chancellor over there, right? Yeah, I'm pretty yeah. sure. I, I mean, shit, they had yes. a lady chancellor for a minute. I got to call Dirk Nowitzki. He can pull some strings and move Oktoberfest to October. September 17th to October 3rd. So there is some October in there in the fest. Well, it should be in completely in October. So you must have gone like October 4th. I, know, it <laughs> I be, missed it uh, by one day. But that doesn't make no sense, does okay. it? Well, get over it. Now you know. Next no. time you're going to go back, or if you, so you didn't, you weren't there for October. No, I've never been for Oktoberfest. Well, but now I want to go. September 17th. Yeah, I want to go. October 3rd. Uh, well, it, you get three measly days in October for Oktoberfest? It's in September and October. Which makes zero sense. I just told you that. Well, now you know the dates. Okay. And now there's no excuse. No excuse. Christy, you- Christy, get on that. Chris, the girl who runs my life, makes sure I'm where I'm supposed to be. Not to be pick. confused with your daughter, Christiana. No, those are two different animals right there. Shout out, little Henry. <laughs> you know, I love being at home when the kids come for Halloween. Mm-hmm. And I can't be there this year or next year. Because uh, it's so... First of all, these kids got no idea who I am. I think their parents want to meet me. What, is it, what does a young trick-or-treater get at the Chuckster's house? Cavities, diabetes. <laughs> no. Hey, I give it... Because... You know, I've been in the limelight for a long time, and I read all the horror stories where people kill celebrities who don't give out good candy. Mm-hmm. So I'm never going to run out of candy. So I get a big handful and give every kid a big handful. So they got regular size or minis? Minis. But they're getting probably on, six or seven. better than that. What do you mean, minis? I can't get people big old candy. No, you just said you just said that there's great expectations on a on a high profile celebrity like you, and you're just going to have the little itty bitty butterfingers just like everybody else. They're getting like six to eight pieces in these big old claws. Those big old claws can't even palm a basketball. They can, but they can give out plenty of good candy. I mean, because I don't (laughs) want I don't want people writing an article. I remember. I think it was John Elway, if I remember. It was like 30 years ago. People were complaining about what kind of candy he gave out. And I said, that's never going to happen to the Chuckster. Hmm. Have you checked social media lately? No, no never. I, hey, that's why all <laughs> fools got an opinion. I never checked social media. <laughs> we hope uh, everybody out there had a wonderful Halloween. Halloween. That's great for the kids, man. Yeah. I, I, that's great oh, for the-, the pictures of my grandkids and no. their Halloween stuff. It was yeah. so cool. Yeah, yeah, I called to check on little Henry, and they said next year. You can, you can talk to him next year? No. no, no or he's he, going to trick or treat next year. Uh, well, I don't think he should be dressing up. I was disappointed that he didn't dress up. Wow. You should have put him in something like a little costume. I think so, too. Uh, thank you. Pick it up. <laughs> get on, Pick it get up, on Christiana. Christiana. Or and and her husband, Ilya. 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 Come on, you guys, get with it. Yeah, get with it. Yeah. Anyway, that's it. We're done. We're done for this uh, edition of the Steam Room. Uh, We will be back uh, two weeks. In in two weeks. Everybody vote next Tuesday. Would you second that, Chuck? Everybody vote next Tuesday. Please vote next Tuesday. No matter who you're voting for. (laughs) That look is worth a million words.